This is the Quadrant Podcast, episode 15. New week, new episode, new adventure. We are ready to get this show started. Now, before starting, we would like to remind you all that we're here to share your stories. So, if you have a story to share, feel free to contact us any way you like, through Facebook or email. And please, follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook. Or follow us on Stitcher or on iTunes or whatever media you choose to use. We are here to share stories with you. So follow us so you can be the first one to know when each new episode is published. So let's get started. I'm Kristen Addis. I am the chief blogger behind BeMyTravelMuse.com, which is a travel blog focused on off-the-beaten-path adventures. And mainly I write about Asia and Europe, uh, mainly focusing on Southeast Asia. And my travel style is to never travel with a guidebook, but just to talk to locals, find out about places that maybe your average tourist doesn't know about. I always take public transport, eat food with local people, and try to kind of really delve into the local culture and make it easier for travelers who want a real authentic experience without having to pay top dollar for it. So that's kind of my main focus. And today I'm talking about hitchhiking through China by myself. And it was quite an experience. I traveled over 1,000 miles purely on the kindness of others. Um, a really amazing experience and a great way to get an introduction to China. Great. Usually when people uh, hitchhike around, they, they need to communicate to say where they are going and such. How, how do you handle the language barrier in China? Um, there is no language barrier for me. I actually speak Mandarin. Oh, oh nice. <laughs> well done. <laughs> but I do know a few other people who have hitchhiked around China without being able to speak the language. And usually what you can do is just find out the characters for the city you want to go to, okay. write it on a piece of cardboard, and then put up the international hitchhiking symbol, <laughs> which is your thumb up in the air. <laughs> And um, that has worked for other people as well who can't speak the language. Wow. What are some memorable experiences from your times hitchhiking? Like the, the, the things that first pop out when you try to remember those adventures? I mean, every experience was really crazy and unique in its own way. I can't think of one where I didn't come out of it with kind of a weird story. But what really struck me is how kind and generous uh, the Chinese people were who picked me up. Um, they never let me give them any money. So I think that's normal for hitchhiking. Usually it's understood that it's a free ride. But they would often buy me lunch too. And oh. they were just so interested by and impressed by the girl from America who was hitchhiking through their country. It's like they wanted me to feel like a guest and to go home with stories to make them feel proud of uh, their country and to give me the best impression I could have. So I don't know if everywhere is like that. I've hitchhiked a few other places, but I'm just overwhelmed by the generosity of people. Maybe it was because you were communicating in Mandarin with them. They were amazed to see a 
American girl is speaking Mandarin with them. The so, funny thing uh, is, like maybe 50% of the time, people in China were so impressed, and I only said two words, and they just told me how amazing my Chinese was and how impressed they were. And I was like, hang on, I haven't said anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other half of the time, they did not even miss a beat. They fully expected that I would speak to them in Chinese, and if I got one word wrong, they were very annoyed. So I don't oh. really, I don't really know if that was it or if they just were impressed that there was someone from America or I'm sure like Australia or England or Spain or anywhere. Just wanting to experience their country, right? And you, you did mention that you had some odd experiences or odd stories that came from several of those instances. Tell us one. We're we're, we're curious to know more. Okay, I think my favorite was um, I had taken a bus from Chengdu, which is the capital city of the Sichuan province. Um, most people, when they eat Chinese food, are eating Sichuanese food. So that's one way you can kind of understand this area.、Um, they're also famous for the pandas. So it's a, a province in China that borders Tibet, and I really like to go trekking or hiking. So I was trying to get to kind of a remote、uh, trekking town, and it took me oh I think 12 hours by bus to get there. And I thought, okay, if I hitchhike back, it will just be so much quicker. So I.、Um, Stood outside for I don't know maybe 20 minutes in this small town, and I got picked up by some guys heading all the way back to Chengdu.、Mm-hmm. It was two guys maybe in their 20s, and halfway through they asked me if I was hungry, and I said yeah sure. So、um, we had just been eating、uh, yak jerky the whole time, <laughs> and then we stopped in this town called Yaan, which is famous for a fish that they have. So the guys were trying to explain something to me about a double-edged sword, and I just did not really understand what they were saying. So they asked the waitress to come over and show me. So she takes a spoon and starts breaking open the head of the fish. It had already been cooked; it was it was not alive anymore. But <laughs> she starts breaking open the head of the fish, and I thought, "Oh no, I'm I'm going to have to eat fish brain. That's what's going on here." <laughs> But instead, she pulls out this bone that looks like a sword, and、um, he tells her, "Okay, take it away, make it into a necklace for my friend." So she comes back with it in this little red box, and I open it up, and sure enough, she's cleaned it and tied a red thread around it, and it had been made into a piece of very sharp jewelry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and they、um, they spent the equivalent of about 100 U.S. dollars on the meal, and would not let me give them any money for it.、Um, took me all the way to Chengdu, dropped me off in a very convenient location, and that was that. Wow! And we spent about eight hours in the car together. What did you talk、yeah. about? Um, well, I'm not completely fluent in Mandarin, so every time I get in the car, I get a little nervous, and I think, "Oh gosh, okay, now I have to talk to these guys for the next eight hours somehow." So、um, it's a lot of work for me, as I think you know, for anyone learning a new language, it's a lot of work mentally while you're still、uh, getting through that phase to fluency.、Yeah. So、um, we spoke a lot about. Why they were in Kangding, which is the town that we had left from,、uh, bound for Chengdu, and、um, we talked about if、uh, America had as many mountains as China did, and they wanted to know, as they always want to know, 
where I had learned and studied Chinese, which is、uh, in Taiwan, which is always、uh, leads to another conversation, of course, because most、uh, Chinese have not traveled to Taiwan, so、um, they're they're usually pretty curious about the differences. So it's mainly usually the conversations I have are the fascination around America. They have questions about that, and then they have questions about how I can speak the language. And then most of the time, the guys just talk to each other every now and then, throwing a question my way. <laughs> <laughs> it's always、uh, an interesting cultural experience to speak to people from China. I, I evidently neither Jose or I speak、uh, Mandarin of any kind. <laughs> But、uh, on the on the few instances I have been able to have a, a full conversation on English、uh, with someone from China,、uh, it's it's always interesting because of how it's similar and at the same time so different. This is the ways they view things and they do things. So it's one of those I think poorly understood cultures, even though it's so big and so important. So it's always fascinating to hear stories coming from that side of the world. You mentioned on your email that you once、uh, saw a, a festival, right? A traditional dance during a festival. Yes. So one of the times I hitchhiked, and basically everyone told me, "There's no way you're going to get a ride to this place.、Um, no one's going that direction. Don't even try." <laughs> But I was,、uh, I was curious, so I wanted to try anyway. And I lifted up my thumb, and someone immediately pulled over, like as I was lifting my arm up. To offer me a ride, <laughs> it was absolutely perfect. So these were actually、um, men who belonged to what's called the Nashi uh, minority uh, peoples, and they live next to Tibet in、uh, Yunnan Province. So、um, they have a lot of similarities to the Tibetan people. They eat the same sorts of foods. They dress in a similar way. And when we went into their town, which was Dechen. They asked if I wanted to watch some of the traditional dancing,、okay. and what was really special about it is, I mean, there were no foreign spectators. These were all local people watching、uh, their townspeople basically dancing, and these people had very intricate costumes, and all of the dances were perfectly timed. They all had obviously put a lot of practice into it. I think this is a big thing that they do every year. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe I would never have seen it if I didn't get a ride with、um, these two men who were returning home for this. So we stopped and we watched for a while, and you know, various people in the crowd turned around and looked at me like, "Wow, who is this person?" <laughs> and, <laughs> and then、um, you know, it was it was cool to see it because so often as tourists we only get to see the fake dancing that's only for tourists. But in this case, it was authentic. For the townspeople, so I felt very honored. Were you were you able to film it to take a video out of it? I did not film it.、Um, all I had was my cell phone at the time, and that doesn't take the best videos. I'm getting more into video blogging, though. I mean, there's so many things I wish I had filmed that I just didn't. It happens. It happens when you travel. There are so many moments that you think,、oh, "I wish I had filmed this." It's yeah. Perhaps you yeah. have the. The, But the, there's the, a beauty the, to committing things to memory too. Yeah, yeah, sure. Now, something uh, that uh, strikes me as interesting for your travels is how good or, or how many times things have gone very good for you.、Uh, we have a saying that we, we we often speak among ourselves that many of the best stories come 
from things when things don't go as expected and that's something I always mm -hmm. try to remind myself every time I'm traveling and things don't go as expected because I, I get stressed a lot however from problems and from situations where you sit down and say how the hell am I going to get out of this one usually good stories come up have, has, have you ever passed through any circumstance like that while traveling? Oh constantly I mean <laughs> you're right I've been so fortunate And my mom always says, like, why do you keep getting invited to all of these things? Like, this seems to always happen to you. <laughs> and <laughs> I, think, I think part of it is you really get back what you put out. So um, I think that traveling by myself has made me realize that when things go wrong, If you are, if you sit and cry about it, um, especially if you're by yourself, no one's going to come up with a solution for you. So the only thing you can do is get over it and figure it out. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, another situation where I ended up hitchhiking was in Java, Indonesia. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know when the bus was going to come. It only came once per day. I didn't know if I missed it or what had happened. And so some guys pulled up and offered me a ride. And normally I would say, no, that's okay in that situation. But they were uniformed Honda employees and they were returning to the city that I needed to go to. So I ended up um, going with them. And it was Ramadan at the time, just as it is now. And they had um, pulled over to buy some bottled water and give it to me, even though they couldn't have any. And I just thought, well, this is true generosity. And, um, you know, when they dropped me off at the bus station, True enough, they didn't want any money from me, and they, you know, went away, and that was that. And I wrote a blog post about it, about um, the random act of kindness that had changed everything. Because as a solo Western female, I did have a hard time in a lot of um, Indonesia because I refused to take tours usually, and most travelers there do. So I just, you know, I had a hard time getting through it, and they probably have no idea how much they really changed my perspective on uh, the friendliness of people there by doing that. Right. Wow. That, that, that have a very uplifting ending to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, <laughs> I remember reading on your blog about one instance when you were in Sri Lanka, maybe? And, uh, and you were stuck in the middle of some chaos. Uh, it was a very... Oof, interesting blog post about the first time you felt in danger. Oh, this was actually in Nepal. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, that was when the power had gone out. This was in, uh, I think, my fourth day in the country. And um, the power had gone out at 6 p.m. And uh, in Nepal, it was already dark. And I needed to go out and buy some water because you can't drink it from the faucet there. Mm. So my street was completely black. There were no lights. And... Um, What I should have done was bring a light with me. I don't know if it would have changed what happened, but yeah, someone ended up grabbing me and then running away. And just to be by myself in the dark like that with that happening was very scary. And um, I posted to my Facebook fan page just saying what had happened. And I got a few private messages from people telling me, oh, you need to leave, you need to get out of there. But instead, I stayed in Nepal for one month. And I had a lot of really beautiful experiences after. And I think that it taught me two things. One is that you can't get careless. You always have to be careful. So, you know, I learned that I, I after almost two years of traveling by myself, I had gotten too careless. And I also learned that one bad person really can't ruin everything for you. 
So, yeah, unfortunately that happened, but it's after almost two years of traveling by myself, that's really one of the only negative things that has happened. So I guess overall I can be thankful. Yeah, but kudos to you for getting over it and keep traveling and keep going to doing your things. It takes a lot of courage to just, you know, forget about it and keep pushing on. Even though everyone was telling you, oh, you need to come back. You need to stop doing whatever you're doing. And you didn't. And, and that's a very, I think, commendable thing of you to do. Oh, thank you. I don't think I would have felt better if I left because then I just uh, leave with a bad impression and it's kind of giving up in a way. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And look, because of that, you, you still are doing what are you doing and you have so many good stories to tell about it. <laughs> Thank you. So it, it was worth it on the end, wasn't it? I guess so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I, I think we're fine with... This is, I think, the first episode we, where we get more than one story. Yeah, I like think we have four, like, yeah, like several small stories. ones. That's a very, very interesting. I am full of them. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, that's good. We're always experimenting with what we can cram into every episode. Mm -hmm. We have no uh, script to follow. We just run straight into the things and see what comes out. That's so, the way to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's much more genuine and much more interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, wow. Thank you for, for participating in this and, and thank you for wanting to be a part of this. Uh, it's, it's because people like you that keep approaching us that we get to collect all these cool stories for people to enjoy and it's it gets better all the time all right well thank you very much uh one last thing um uh just a question that's uh, stuck in my mind uh, have you ever lost anything while traveling i mean a camera or uh, i mean an important thing that uh you wish you could have back or i don't know <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Um, I had one GoPro camera that this is partially my fault because I left it in my check-in baggage. And the only possibility is that someone at one of the airports I went through stole it. And then uh, the other is I had my entire purse, which had a pair of Prada sunglasses, about $200, and an unlocked iPhone in it stolen in China. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, China has a reputation. No, but that's two things she lost yeah. in two years, so it's good. I thought. You yeah, I mean, could I tell me it could be worse if someone stole my computer? I'd be much sadder. Oh, and someone stole my bike in Berlin two days ago. <laughs> What? Two days how, ago? How did that happen? <laughs> that happens all the time here. Um, I left it out of my friend's front door. The door was open. I was inside for two minutes. Gone. So much for German security. But my friend is very, um, very resourceful. And so he had a bunch of different bike parts and put a new one together for me. So <laughs> I still oh. left with the bike. <laughs> wow. That, wow. You have a very resourceful friend. Bike I do. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the, the, the thing I was going to comment is that um, <laughs> at least the camera that you lost, the GoPro camera, was, was stolen by a human being. Uh, the episode that we published yesterday was about a guy who got his camera snatched by monkeys. Yeah, that's so. the one I listened to. <laughs> oh, you listened to that one. Okay, yeah. Man, I don't like monkeys one bit, so I understand yeah. what happened to him. <laughs> so yeah, it happens. Well, thank you for sharing. And we will notify you as soon as we put this episode out. Yeah, okay? let us know if you've gone to Barcelona or Venezuela or, no, I don't know, wherever we yeah, might be. If, if you ever go through our little area here in Europe or 
pass through Venezuela in case you want to explore South America where our family is, tell us so we can help. from Venezuela? Yeah, I yes. would love so. to go there. And I Barcelona is one of my favorite cities. I've been several times. So there's a good chance I'll come back through there. There's so much art and just nightlife and so many things to love about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. And if you do, let us know. Yeah. Okay, we're, I'll do that. We love to, to keep meeting travelers. All, all this podcast is, is born from we just going into bars and going into places and just speaking to people about traveling. So we, we love doing that. I love it. Okay, great. Well, I will keep in touch with you. And if you come through Berlin, let me know. All Perfect. Right. right. Okay. Well. Thank you for everything. See ya. Okay. See ya. And that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining in. Please remember to follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook or add us on iTunes so you can be the first one to know every time a new episode comes out. From Barcelona, we say goodbye.